Well, I invite you to turn with me in your uh, Bibles to Malachi, or Malachi, the Italian prophet we might call him. Malachi right there, and that's right before the Old New Testament, or the New Testament begins at the end of the Old Testament, sorry for the confusion there. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, right at the end of the Old Testament, one of those uh, uh, minor prophets we call them. And again, we are continuing, as we've said, to share today about this idea of uh, financial stewardship. I know we did uh, share a few months ago an opportunity for us as a church and when we moved over here to this new worship facility, a way to think about stewarding our relationships in terms of inviting folks to come and connect with our worship and connect with the Lord through our church. And we thought about stewarding our, our abilities and our skills and our talents through the idea of serving in different areas. And today we, want to, we do want to focus in on this area of financial uh, stewardship. And as we look at this book of Malachi, it'll help us to get a little bit of context uh, for us. This, uh, this was written uh, back in the time when the people of God had returned from exile. They had been on, I guess, what you might call God's uh, parental timeout plan for the people of God. They had been sent into exile in various places uh, in the Middle East, uh, taken out of the promised uh, land, and had returned back about a hundred years before the time of Malachi. Now, as you can imagine, when they got back home after being hauled off and in their little parental timeout discipline that the Lord gave them, they came back and they were zealous for the things of God. And they rebuilt the temple and they rebuilt Jerusalem and they were engaged in worship of him and they were seeking to live for him. And then as often happens for us on an individual basis and as happened for them collectively as the people of God, they begin to wander away from that to fall away from really seeking the Lord. And so just 100 years after they had returned, and about 400 years before the time of Christ, Malachi writes this message to them, which is very challenging and very pointed about one particular area that they were drifting away from the Lord in, and it certainly relates to our theme today. You all can remain seated. I'll read uh, God's Word to us as you read along silently. Malachi Uh, Chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you've turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field will not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. And then listen to this last verse. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray again. Father, help us uh, during this time. Give us particular insight into these verses which are at once incredibly refreshing and filled with mercy and grace and at the same time very pointed 
very challenging for each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 1986, Valerio Vici who was himself from Italy and had committed about 50 armed robberies in that land, relocated to the United Kingdom. Upon his arrival there, he decided to continue his chosen profession, if you will, and went in with an accomplice to the Knightsbridge Safe Deposit Center, ostensibly to rent a deposit box as he and his accomplice got Inside the vault, they were able to subdue the manager and several guards and then simply hung a sign on the outside of the bank saying that it was closed for a while. And in the meantime, let in a number of other accomplices who systematically raided all of the safe deposit boxes and walked off with a whopping $170 million in today's money. Valerio made his way to Latin America. All the other accomplices were apprehended. But in Latin America, he discovered he was missing something. His lovely Ferrari back in the UK. And so he decided to go back to try to recover that, despite the fact that he had enough money to buy perhaps a hundred of them. And while he was there, he was apprehended. Put into prison where he served a a huge sentence that he had been given, but was interestingly enough let out for one day in the year 2000 to go back to Italy. While he was there, he got into a gunfight with police there and was killed. Valerio teaches us a couple of things. One, if you've got $174 million, don't go back to Ukraine to get your Ferrari, right? Buy yourself a new one wherever. But for Valerio, robbery from other people literally killed him. Just as our passage today is teaching us in a very pointed way, the prophet doesn't pull any punches, does he? He lays it right out for us. He calls a spade a spade, or if you will, a thief a thief. And we're all guilty, I'm sure, in varieties of ways. Malachi reminds us that if we participate in robbery from God, we're actually deadening our own soul, spiritually speaking. That's the bad news. Here's the amazing good news. Valerio returned. And what did he get when he returned to the U.K., the land of his crime? He got busted. He got put away and eventually got killed by the police. God promises us that wherever we are on this issue of faithfulness to him with what he's provided for us, that when we return to him, he's going to actually return to us. And he's going to bless us amazingly. What a promise God's word has for us. If you want to follow along with me, you can in the sermon notes section in your worship guide. It's just this main idea that's really amazing if we think about it. That even though we sometimes, maybe often, rob God by not 
giving to him and his kingdom as we should, God graciously offers to return to us. There's a number of passages in the New Testament that highlight this reality. We don't have time to read every one of them today, but uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What a promise. What an amazing investment opportunity that we have to lay up treasures in heaven. The book of 1 Timothy, further back in the Scriptures, chapter 6, I think we looked at this some last year, says starting in verse 6 of chapter 6 in 1 Timothy, now there's great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Imagine that. I can't get there. But we can pray to all work towards that, can't we? Verse 9, But those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation, into a snare, many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, the Lord reminds us, is the root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The scriptures go on and other places Jesus rebukes the Pharisees and says, hey, you, you are so diligent to tithe, to give 10%, that first fruits, out of your spice rack, your dill and mint and cumin that are in your spice rack. That's how diligent you are. Wonderful. Great to keep doing that. But don't forget the greater things, justice and mercy and love. As Denson reminds us, the real issue is the heart, what's flowing out of the heart. Be diligent, Jesus says, but look at where your heart is in all of this as well. Well, as we talk about this topic today, I realize that there's folks on all different places here today. Probably people that are hearing for the very first time this idea of giving and financial stewardship. Maybe never you know, realize this is part of the kingdom of God and participation in his work. And it's a, it's, it's a wonderful thing, but it may be brand new to us. Might be others who are here today and you know about it, you're aware of it. But man, if you take a look at this checkbook and where we are financially, we're really in a, in a hole and to try to figure out how to do that. And the idea that somehow actually prioritizing giving to the Lord and his kingdom would help right the rest of our finances seems kind of crazy. That's a step of faith. To believe in. Others might be here and you've been burned, frankly. Been burned by a charity or burned by a church or whatever. So you're real hesitant to take that step of faith. Uh, perhaps others of us, this is just, you know, we've all got areas, the areas for my life where I really struggle in various sins is maybe different from the area for you or for you. We all have different things that are kind of uh, crowd in on us and are particularly prevailing sins for each one. Maybe for some here, this area of financial stewardship, it's just a really tough one to walk with the Lord in. Wherever we are on this, these verses from Malachi offer some great news for us. Take a look at this uh, sandwich. You know, it's easy to focus in on these verses that, that call us thieves for not really giving back to God what he so graciously gives to us. That's, that's pretty challenging. That's kind of the meat of this sandwich. 
But look at the bread with me on both sides, flipping back to Malachi. And let's take just a few moments to walk through this. Malachi verse 6 says this interesting thing. It, he says to the, to the people of God, he says, For the Lord, the Lord your God does not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days that your fathers have turned aside to my statutes and have not kept them, return to me, and I will return to you. Isn't that amazing? What is God saying? He's saying, I haven't changed from being a patient, gracious, merciful God. Well, this is just one, another one of those areas spiritually where, where we're off track, and we probably all are in some regard. We have the great privilege of being able to turn back to God, and He's going to return to us. He's not changing in being merciful and patient, even though they have wandered far afield. And then I think you understand the idea in the end of verse 7, verse 8, and starting into verse 9, the Lord is just saying, well, if you want to know how to return to me, at least for the folks he's writing to here and the people of God at this time, he's saying one of the key areas you're turning away from me is, is not really responding and giving generosity for God and his kingdom purposes. And in case we would think that that's kind of a small thing, is God really concerned about that? In case we don't really recognize how gracious and merciful he is to invite them to return to him, he says in verse 9, this is a weighty thing. This is a, an accursed kind of thing to do. Look with me then at the second half of verse 10. So we see there, you know, God graciously offers to return to us. The second thing we see is that we're called to seek God in faithful financial giving verse 10 gives us this promise hey bring that full tithe into the storehouse of god and and see what he will do take that step of faith of boldness to see what god will do for us you know it's interesting uh we we've got a a condition in the peter's house and my wife is really concerned about it and it's not the uh, stomach bug that the boys have today or at least one of them does that's why they're there at the home front today trying to keep all of you all safe no it's uh it's far more serious you know it's not just a it's not just a day-to-day condition it's a it's something that's been passed down she's concerned from from my family and that is this horrible condition called nearsightedness nearsightedness that uh, the peters family with their poor vision have passed along and the the deskins family with their perfect eyesight have not passed along and so my wife patience she's she's been you know faithful to take them to the, the regular eye doctor appointments but i'm usually one as a sort of penance for passing on these bad genes that takes the boys to go get i guess now three of the four have the glasses and i'm sure the five-year-old probably can't see either but we just don't know yet so uh so i go to the eye doctor the other day and i really you know if you've been there for yourself you're never sitting in the chair over there watching the the eye doctor do his thing so that was the first time maybe ever that i've actually sat there and watched and i noticed something because you're watching your kid and i mean what difference does it make it's not like he's you know competing to get into law school or something but you know he's watching that little letters up there and you want him to get the letters right get the letters right get that a and f and g and you know and I'm watching him do it, and all of a sudden I realize that the eye doctor, the eye doctor has a screen that's right up by him that's like two feet from his face. And the thing that you're looking at on the wall when you're examining, it's a little smoke and mirrors kind of thing. You know, it's however many feet back. The eye doctor 
can't even see those lower numbers. He has to have something up close to him, the letters and so forth. He's got to have it right before him. And I thought about that with this matter of stewardship and giving. You know, here's the reality, folks. God's the only one with 2020 vision on this thing. And it can be convicting for us and challenging for us, but also refreshing. Uh, uh, some of us, maybe even husbands and wives, might not even know exactly how much money's moving in and out with different professions and whatnot that we have in our church. Uh, maybe we don't know or are aware of some of those things. There's no reason for us to be aware of what's going on with one another on those matters. But the truth is that God's got 20-20 vision for it. He, he knows what's going on, and he knows what's going on in our hearts as well. And so Malachi challenges us today to consider all of this, but he doesn't leave us in that place of conviction, of being weighed down with how we kind of fall short in this area. Look at these last couple verses as we close. Starting at that second half of verse 10, he says, Test me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. That sounds awesome, does it not? That sounds fantastic, whatever that is. He goes on in verse 11 and says there's going to be some rebuking of the devourer. It's kind of hard to grasp what it's saying, but basically he's going to watch out for us. God's got our back. We can trust that. In verse 12, I mentioned it earlier, then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight says the Lord of hosts. Denson did a great job sharing with us earlier. And I just want to encourage us, you know, this is one of those things we hunker down on each year around this time at least. Hopefully we talk about it at other points throughout the year a bit as well. I'm sure in January when it's missions festival time, we'll hunker down on it. But the the Lord's word speaks to us on this. And let me just encourage you, as you're taking those pledge cards home, and we do invite every family in the church, every household, to at least consider and pray about that because it's a great help to us as a church. It's a great help to each of us individually. As our family fills that out, it gives us some kind of goal to aim for. It gives us some kind of thing to, to pursue in that particular calendar year. And to even, you know, with those quarterly statements to come out, to get a little reminder that, Maybe we hadn't been keeping up the way that we had planned to or wanted to. But pray, as Denson encouraged us, and ask the Lord to direct you on this. And let us see how the Lord might not open the windows of heaven and pour himself down upon us. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you that we live in such a prosperous time. And have so many blessings around us, Lord. Uh, very few of us probably here in this room have had a day even in our lives where we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from or whether we'd have a roof over our heads. And Lord, that can't be said for much of humanity today and much of humanity throughout the centuries. And Lord, we uh, confess that we get prideful about that because we do think this comes from our own hands and we get worrisome about it because we're afraid and we're a fearful people. And Lord, we uh, sometimes are led by those things to miss the opportunity to build contentment through trusting you with what you've given and to build your kingdom through 
uh, missions, through local ministries, through the ministry of this church, wherever you'd be leading us to give. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word and even the hard things that it has to say to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.